I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's a, that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm Eric Wenzel, your host, as always. And in today's episode, we have a different kind of episode, actually. I went on the road and went to University of Michigan because our good friend Joe Joe Joukowsky actually goes to school there. And I got to meet all of the Student Veteran Association guys out there and just kind of spend a weekend during Halloween having all sorts of fun stuff with just kind of decompressing for that weekend. And while I was there, I brought my podcasting equipment and we recorded a podcast with the guest, today's guest, uh, William Waterstreet, or Bill, as he goes by. And so Bill, it was really interesting. We kind of went down there and had conversations and it was really different conversation because I hadn't been on a campus as large as University of Michigan. And to kind of get outside of my normal bubble in the world of uh, Northwest suburbs of Chicago, um, it really kind of opened my eyes to like what other people think in some ways and to go out there and be around these people who I don't even know. And the only ties that bind them all together was that they are veterans. And so in this conversation, Bill really opens up about what it's like for him. So he was in the military, obviously he served in the Marines and in his description, he was part of the public affairs and also uh, was photography, um, like battlefield photography when he was serving. And it was a really interesting question to get to ask him because he had this somewhat of a leadership role in the military and then now he's the current president of the SVAs and for me that's a really interesting uh, topic to kind of dive into is because you kind of get this transition of like how does leadership translate into different roles or different areas right and the other side of it is that Bill's very articulate when it comes to politics but he's also an engineering major so he's studying electrical and mechanical engineering and for me to to have someone who's interested in technical aspects and system building that you get from an engineering background and then to take that and be interested in the political system how that all applies I think that is a huge huge bonus um going forward because he's he's still relatively young and he he has the ability to and he shared the interest that he does want to be part of some sort of uh, political campaign he he's kind of one of those people that could be instrumental in in kind of changing mindsets about things right because when you when you think about politics you think of lawyers and all that kind of stuff right you don't really hear about engineers or engineering type people or scientists being interested in politics to the degree right so that's a little bit long-winded there, but I, I just really think it was a really interesting conversation, and I hope you guys all find it as interesting as I did. Um, I might get a little repeaty because a lot of these things have bounced around in my head a lot, so I apologize for being repetitive on some of the things I say, but it just kind of depends on what I'm doing at the time uh, when these go when these are recorded that kind of come out. So it'll change, but you just got to give it time, people. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy this conversation with... Bill Waterstreet. Yeah, we're recording live. 
Not li not live. You say that. I always time. do because I can't help it. It's just like how I do. Oh god, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> Should we introduce ourselves? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I'm Bill Waterstreet. I am a student here at the University of Michigan. I'm a mechanical engineering, electrical engineering student. Um, I was a, I'm a Marine Corps vet. Uh, right. Did four years. Right, right, yeah, all right, that. right, right. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm out now going to school. I'm the president of the Student Veterans of America here oh, at nice. the University of Michigan. So sweet. Yeah. I'm Joe Jakowski, back on again. As always. Most of you people know me. Yeah. Uh, going <laughs> to University of Michigan. Also, that's where we're at right now, just for yeah. context. My go good Blue. Buddy, uh, yeah, Go Blue. Uh, little buddy here, Wenzel, decided to take the take the show on the road. Yeah, we did. To, uh, University of Michigan. Yeah. Where we're going to party for Halloween and chillax. Yeah, so it's been really cool with just seeing the campus. And for me, like, right now. Oh, yeah. Hold on. I wanted, like, your initial impression of this. Because I've been right. talking up. Mm. How much I enjoy right. University of Michigan to you guys. When a I'm lot, home. too. And, yeah, so I'm kind of well, curious to see. If so, like, the first thing is you've been just talking up. So, Dr. Fretz, who's the, what is it, faculty advisor, advisor of the, SVA. the SVAs. Yep. So, you've been talking him up and just how <laughs> a, much of an outlier he is mm. it, it, as, character. as a to professor. To say the least. Right, to say the <laughs> least. And, like, that was, like, one of the initial things. And then you just kind of talked about how... The, the atmosphere here is is amazing, mm -hmm. it's, right? Yeah. And and when I first got here, it felt very different. You know, coming from NIU, not to say anything bad about it, but it just has a completely different, like, feel to the to what this is. And it feels way more tight-knit. I was going to say, in weird. what way? Like, it's like, it feels tight-knit, and there's like... It's weird to place it, but there's like a general curiosity, mm. if that makes sense. That I'm like I'm picking up something that's like an underlying vibe. Like like so we when we yeah. went out yesterday to that to Dominic's in the bar and stuff yeah. and like the conversations we had, that's like conversations me and Joe have back yeah. home, but only with our closest friends. Yeah, yeah. and it's not really outside <laughs> of that. And that's on not really common. I, no, to be honest, there's only a handful of places where I can have legitimate intellectual conversations right. with anybody, and it's here and it's with you guys back home. Right, mm -hmm. and that's what threw me off. I was like, "What the? I'm like, where am I right now?" Because like, to to have that same sort of like, you know, it's like intellectual sparring. Yeah, is rare. Yeah, you know, and it's people that are open minded enough to be able to talk about it and mm -hmm. not get upset at the same time. Like the yeah. conversation we had yesterday. Yeah, went, yeah with uh, like it was intense. Military. I had like with... another three hour like political conversation. Oh, later on yeah. after I left. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. like really long, and that's totally rare to yeah. have for on average because you know being an engineering student myself and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you you lose people. Yeah. Really quickly. I, I find that engineers in general, or at least students that I've spoken to, aren't really as interested in. Uh, very interested in the hardcore, like, oh, how does an engine work? Or like, right. well, what's like, what's the new thing that Tesla's doing? The technical right. things, very, they talk about that forever. But when it comes to something a little more intellectual or philosophical, yeah. a little more soft, they're like very reticent to get into it. Yeah, so. and then, well, that's like my whole thing too, is yeah. like I chose electrical engineering in the sense that, or just engineering is a broad way of thinking because it doesn't limit options. Mm -hmm. It just opens doors. Yep. And that was like my thing is like, I could have done anything I wanted, but I didn't know what to pick because you kind of just have to pick mm -hmm. something right at some point. Yep. And so it was kind of like, damn, like, and then you get to the point where people get surface level. I'm like, oh, you must be good at math. I'm like, then the conversation's over. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it just to kind of come here and you're like, you know, there's everybody from completely different backgrounds mm -hmm. and you're all just having these conversations. And I'm just like, that's it's surreal in some mm -hmm. way, you know, it almost feels like a, like a club kind of like a, like a secret <laughs> Interesting. Like, like, like physical club. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause it, it's not something you run into 
often and it's it's like almost accidental right because mm-hmm. like like all the guys that you guys had there were from different backgrounds yeah. and the only thing that brought you guys together was that you're SVAs yeah. and so the, the the prerequisite there it doesn't mean you guys are going to be yeah. this open minded group of intellectuals right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean I think when you when you get into like interesting conversations like that it's definitely from people like certain people drive that becoming a thing and then you also yeah. like you have other people who like will you know no shit just get up and like walk the other side of the table he's like oh, i don't want to talk about that yeah, i want to yeah, yeah. yeah. talk about football or whatever okay <laughs> you know whatever like you know you do you so but like whenever kind of disconnect completely yeah yeah it's like whenever joe and i uh get together and then like frets too and a couple other folks like things tend to get a little bit more interesting so yeah and those are the conversations i value as well so yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that's just been our whole thing from the very beginning i mean yeah. that's just what you know we've always tried to you know, to kind of just explain what feeding curiosity is, is mm. just kind of, it first started out with just ideas where we're talking mm. about, you know, anxiety, depression, the thought processes, like kind of philosophizing in some ways, thinking mm. about how people think about the world in any way, right? But mm. you see, like when you go on Facebook, you see the imaginary lines of the sand drawn, yeah. right? Yeah. Being it, be it diet, be it, you know, politically, mm-hmm. be it whatever you want to pick, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's about having conversations. And once you have those conversations with someone, mm. maybe you vehemently disagree with somebody. But if you just talk to them, at the end of the day, you're going to agree on maybe like 60% of the stuff. You know, like the one I always bring up because a good example is like diet, right? So mm. like a person who's a vegan <laughs> or is trying to be paleo, at the end of the day, they're just trying to be a healthier person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, that, like, and they get they lose sight on that because they're so polarized to believe in one way or the other mm-hmm. and it, it that's just like a, one of the examples i think of it yeah <laughs> yeah i can agree with that i like i'd think about like something like uh i don't know maybe sports you know right you look at like both uh like a lions fan and the browns fan the lions play the browns you're like we're gonna be at each other's throats be like oh you know my team's better than right yours. yeah like you know we have a better defense no 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 like that's 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 we're losing we're losing sight of the big picture the big picture yeah. is we've both sucked forever and we want to not suck anymore <laughs> we have something in common <laughs> that's pretty good so i i don't know if you want to explain in your story from like the military or anything like that because uh that, that's one of the things i really value from mm. just the military's perspective is a lot of like with joe's experience mm. with it obviously there's a lot of good with the bad but oh, yeah but you know the stupid stories and things like that but when for me it's the 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 military provides this mindset, at least the people I've been exposed to, to be able to speak your mind mm-hmm. and not, you know, tiptoe around issues. Yeah. You know, the yeah. directness that I think is lacking in today's world mm-hmm. to some degree. So I don't know if you want yeah. to give any of your sure your yeah. highlights. Uh, sometimes, sometimes you do have to be a little bit careful something because I worked in, uh, for the most part, I worked in public affairs. Okay. Um, so I worked with a lot of people who are a lot uh, higher rank than myself. Oh, and wow. Okay. It was, it was a lot, uh, a lot of learning how to be delicate with somebody <laughs> who can make or break your career right on that spot. So, uh, uh, but yeah, so like the overview of my story, I came in, uh, I was the, you know, typical 18 year old and I was like, ah, oh, give me a gun and send me off the war. You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I did that. Like I signed up to do that and I went through all the training, like, you know, got in the infantry, uh, job field. And before they sent me to the, my unit, um, well, I volunteered to go, uh, recon and then uh, I dropped from training. Uh, still, I wonder how my life would have been different had I not. But um, I dropped from training, and um, which basically means like uh, you're one of the guys like that that washed out and didn't make it through. Oh wow! Um, okay. And so they had like on the, that course was like a 
like was it between 80 and 90 percent attrition rate so like i don't feel too bad but still like i feel like i could have done it you know yeah. but whatever um <laughs> but the, when they were reassigning me to my new unit um instead of sending me sending me to the infantry side they looked at my test scores uh everybody takes a test when they join the military uh, and they were uh, like oh hey the uh, general aperture test right yeah the asvat yeah. So, yeah yeah and then they they were like hey nice test scores um give me that rifle here's a camera and i was really? like um i'm sorry what and they're like yeah you have a new job now enjoy so, uh, yeah, and so they, I got needs of the Marine Corps, got pushed into uh, public affairs. And huh. um, it was very interesting. I had never touched a professional camera uh, before in my life. Um, I had never, I would like, done some writing through, I did a little bit of college before the Corps. Um, and it was, uh, but never anything journalistic. It was right. a very eye-opening experience. Um, so, yeah, it's, I like to say that they call us public affairs and journalists of the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to say we're a little bit more like uh, public relations or even you could sometimes you could go so far as to say propagandists. So, <laughs> did you do a lot of writing? I did a lot of writing. Yeah. Really? So, yeah, I did a lot of writing. I did a lot of photography. Uh, I also did a lot of community relations stuff with the local community around my base. And I did a lot of uh, media relations stuff. So working wow. with civilian media. Um, and then later on, I even ran like the the whole like department, like the press pool and wow. all that cool. So that, that, yeah, seems, yeah, that yeah. seems super applicable to to what you do now. Uh, with, now, no, not at all. Really, <laughs> not the slightest. Just, no. just, well, hold on. Yeah. If I would have gone into journalism, it would be like perfectly applicable. App- okay, app- okay. I could have like gotten out of the military, not done any school, and applied for a job as a journalist and got it like somewhere. It would have been like maybe not at like the New York Times or something, right. but like at like your local paper probably. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, but then uh, and then so I and then I did also also did a deployment over to Afghanistan, uh, wow. and over there I worked uh, information operations uh, with the mm-hmm. army, which is a department the Marine Corps doesn't have, and that's basically when you talk about winning hearts and minds, mm-hmm. uh, that's what that is. So it's it's basically like trying to uh, it was less trying to convince the Afghan population that we were uh, the good guys, and it was mm-hmm. more trying to convince them that the, the Afghan National Army and the Afghan government is their friend the and they are good and the yeah. Taliban are bad and they're evil, which like, huh. when they're, you know, blowing up like, you know, 15 innocent people a week in, uh, in the local bazaar, you'd think it'd be pretty easy, but right. like, no, it's actually a lot tougher than you think, huh. so, yeah. That's cool. So you had transitioned out of the Marines then, when you uh, got deployed, or were you still part of the Marines? So no, so I I deployed. I was still a part of the Marine Corps. Oh okay. And then so like I worked with the army, but oh, like in okay, an individual billet. Yeah. Gotcha. And then, in public affairs, that stuff is a is within the Marine Corps. The Marine yes. Corps. Oh okay. Right. So he didn't get pulled into a government job. He got pulled mm. into a part of the Marine Corps that handles the public relations. Oh, that's interesting. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very unique. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, yeah. I'm just asking because I've never heard of that before. It's just yeah. curiosity more than anything else. If you if you watch the movie Full Metal Jacket, uh, the yeah. main character, the name is Joker. Uh, mm-hmm. That's his job. So, okay. yeah, he went over in Vietnam, that's what he was doing. Okay, so, cool. Yeah. That's really... So, so, has any of that translated, like, the, the photography skills or anything like that, has that translated for you now? So, it's, I, like, uh, I've tried to, I've been really bad in recent years about, like, actually, like, getting, breaking out the camera and doing right. work. Um, but photography is, uh, it's actually, like, become a hobby of mine. Oh, I really cool. enjoy it. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't know, maybe I'll bring my camera out tonight, we'll see. Yeah. So, yeah. It's <laughs> well, usually pretty messy there, and like, I have an expensive camera. Right, so, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. I don't want to get yeah. any alcohol on it or whatever, but, yeah. but like, for, for me, my, my brother is a graphic designer and videographer, yeah. so he's self-taught himself. Oh, nice. But, so, for me, I, I'm, like, really part of the world of, like, all this stuff, uh-huh. so he's taught me how to do everything I do with, with uh, cameras and photos and stuff like that, so if you look at any of the thumbnails, it's usually... The only reason I know it is because I've been exposed to it by my yeah, brother. Interesting. And so it's like, for, for me to like have that, like, you know, the way I think of learning mm-hmm. is you just got to get thrown in the deep end yeah. in some way, right? And so when you take that like 180 degree shift, you're like, I'm a soldier. And all of a sudden you're like, you're actually going to be a, 
you know, a photographer now yeah. to be able to learn it, you know, and then, then translate it into a hobby or at mm -hmm. least something that you can do as a skill set, right? Yeah. It kind of gives you the okay that you can learn anything, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you learn by doing. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, you just throw yourself in the deep end and, you know, do the figure. It's going to be, it's going to suck, you know? Right. It's going to suck before it gets better. You're going to feel like an idiot not know anything and then eventually you're going to know things. Right. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, There's always that one day where, uh, my litmus test, the way I thought I like to think about it is when, um, that, uh, that day where I'm like, I'm like constantly like, man, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Right. You know, like, you know, I feel working in internships in the engineering field now. Um, <laughs> and it's like, you're like, oh, you're just so confused. And then one day you find yourself teaching somebody else how to do something. And you're like, oh shit. Like maybe I actually yeah. have like kind of sort of figured this out a little bit. I'm not the yeah. best, you know, but like, Hey, it's coming together. So yeah, yeah. that's always the moment for me where I'm like, okay, Hey, like, you know, I can finally have some confidence in what I'm doing. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, just being able to articulate the idea in mm. a way that it can be understood by someone else. Yeah. Right. Whatever that is. Right. Yep. You know, there's so many things you can, I think a lot of people too, is they under, they underestimate how well they conceptualize something or in some way. Yeah. And they, or they, or they don't, they haven't, like worded it in a way that they that they it just stuck in their head is okay. what I'm getting at basically. So they they haven't been able to articulate outside of themselves. Oh, so it's stuck in their own brain. Yeah. But even though they know it, kind of thing. Yeah. Right. They haven't tried to talk, teach someone else yet. Yeah. So they're just not comfortable in trying to think uh. they could teach someone. This is like this is like the professor that can say a thousand things <laughs> without actually communicating a word. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> those professors professors aren't here at Michigan. Uh, <laughs> I've never run into that. <laughs> I have one right now that I swear to God, this dude is married to the fucking slides and the slides. Yeah, you were just telling me about that. <laughs> like this dude, this dude does doesn't say a word that isn't written down. And when he and people will ask him questions and be like, "Can you explain that a little bit more?" And he'll repeat himself. He'll just repeat. Oh, he'll just oh that's I'm like, motherfucker. Like, oh, I've definitely had those professors where you ask them a question and they they it's so off the, whatever they were talking about. You know, and then they're mm -hmm. like, they're just, they short circuit, right? So they, <laughs> they, they're like, I, I, I don't know how to, what does that mean? This isn't a, this isn't a normal question. <laughs> and they just can't answer you because they just never have dealt yeah. with it, right? It's so strange. And, yeah. Well, it's, so this is something that uh, we sp we've spoken quite a few times with uh, Dr. Fretz about because he's an educational psychologist here at Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, and it, uh, when it comes down to it, the, your, your average college professor at a research institution like Michigan and many mm -hmm. other major colleges, um, they've had less professional training in how to actually teach people than your average community college teacher oh, or really? your average kindergarten teacher. It's like, wow. and everything in between there. Because when you think about it, all those people, they went to school to become teachers. To be teaching, right? Yeah, to learn how to teach and properly convey ideas. Right. Research professors who are teaching classes at these high-level universities, uh, think about what they did. They went to their undergrad, and then they did their master's, and then they moved straight into PhDs and doing research. Mm -hmm. And from there, they became like GSIs, probably somewhere in that pro yeah. uh, teacher's assistants, uh, teaching small discussion sections in there. And then maybe they became a lecturer, and then they maybe moved into a professor, uh, a professorship, and no where in there did anybody actually teach them how to teach? Yeah. And so you, you end up with some people in the job who are amazing. Like everybody knows their stuff. Usually everybody right. always, always knows their stuff, but it's their ability to get it across to their students that varies wildly. Right. And that, and I think that, that usually it's good in people who care and it's bad in people who are just right. who are there to do their job and they just want to do their research and like yeah. the class is an inconvenience to them. Yeah, and I think really it's good, like the people that go into it is like they, they that's what they wanted to do, right? They yeah. wanted to do research, but then they're just they just stick around long enough and so then it's like, well, your numbers come up and you're the next professor now, right? Yep. And so then you become the head of the department or whatever yeah. teaching whatever sections you have to teach, right? Just to fill a requirement. Yeah. And, you know, I think at that point it's like 
I had this discussion recently with one of my buddies back home, and we, we talked about how basically it's like the, stu- the teacher gets bored of the material, right? Yeah. The teacher's teaching the Which same... Which I could understand. Well, yeah, they get, you're teaching it, the there's same no novelty to it again, anymore, yeah. right? They're just teaching the same sections every year. They get married yep. to the slides, like Joe yep. just mentioned. And they just... It's not interesting, right? There's, yeah. no, there's nothing new for them to articulate or explain, or they just don't have that spark anymore. Like, mm-hmm. it just happens to the best of us, right? You know, everything's fun in the beginning, and then yep. once it hits, hits a point where it just, you know, backloads it to the... Mm-hmm. You're just going through the motions, right? Yeah. And I think that happens a lot right yeah. you know when, when you, it's, it's like any job right yeah. you get disenfranchised at some so point I was, you keep it interesting i was gonna say yeah let's generalize that a little bit like do you guys think that that's some what what is humanity what are we meant to do are we meant to work a job for a little while until like we know it really well until it gets boring and then move on to the next thing or or, or are we meant to do to live the life that was lived in the 50s you know 50s, right. 60s where you, you start working at ford when you're you graduate <laughs> high school you work at ford when you're 18 and you work till you retire yeah and you work maybe one two three jobs throughout <laughs> that throughout that process like is yeah. that well like what are what are we meant to do you know like, we already got this one. Oh yeah <laughs> did, did you cover this on another episode or something no no, no, no. Oh, okay that's, that's a great um, question it's a really good question well, it's an evolutionary it. question like how far back do we want to go? Because mm. there's a certain point where where what we are meant to do is what we evolved to do, right? So yeah. there's a certain there is a basic underlying idea that what you have inherent in reality is a known structure and an unknown structure, and that what humans are so good at is at taking the unknown thing and incorporating it into the known. Mm. So you are when you're learning, you're, there's this new novel material that yes. you're coming into you're encountering and then you can concretize that thing and turn it into a scheme that you Mm -hmm. can rely on a framework of thought that you can rely on and move forward Mm -hmm. and that what it looks like to me at least is that what people are meant to do and the context can change the environment can change for this Mm -hmm. to continue to happen is that a person is just meant to to take that novel information and change it into something known Mm -hmm. and to work on it to build it and make it a tool Yeah. yeah so you can have that 35 year job at Ford and leave with a nice Rolex and a fucking mm. pat on the back and you did good work for the company son <laughs> yeah. and like and move on yeah. and, and part of the thrill of that is that you're constantly climbing that ladder and it's not that you're climbing the ladder necessarily just to make more money or anything it's that you're climbing the ladder because the rungs beneath you are so much are so known they're banal that the right. boring yeah. thing that you've already encountered and that now you want to move up to experience these new things yeah. so that you take on more responsibilities because the challenges that that used to be difficult for you mm-hmm. are now a joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to get any entertainment out of it, you have to re-expose yourself to that novel material. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But you can have that yeah. same dynamic play out in a new world, right? You don't need to do mm-hmm. that within the within spin- one company. Yeah. You can be yep. you can be a project manager mm-hmm. who yes. moves from from field to field. It may be they were once, or just project to project within the same field. Right. Know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You conquer one thing. And once it's this concretized thing, once it's settled into your knowledge mm-hmm. and it's become sort of part of the foundation, mm-hmm. then it's time to move on. It's time to move to something new. Mm-hmm. If you can do it sleepwalking, you need to move. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> but you can, the point is you can do that in multiple different, yeah. you can apply that concept to multiple different substrates. Right. You can mm-hmm. move around with it. So what, what do you, what do you say then to the person who's happy? You know, just like they're perfectly happy. I think that's really fine. And flipping a burger. I think know? there's people that, that so. that's where like if that's what resonates with you, then it's fine. Right. Yeah. If they want to be the best, you know, burger maker in the world or whatever mm-hmm. that is. But I think the, to the grant, to the majority of people, the, the chase for novelty 
is is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like we we need new challenges, right? Because like what, what what happens when you have nothing new or you're not being challenged enough, right? That's when things start creeping up, right? You have start having issues, you know, depression, anxiety, things like that. I mean, I'm kind of generalizing and maybe reaching a little bit, but yeah. you know, the brain creates its own problems <laughs> when mm-hmm. these things become stagnant and stale. And I mean, that's kind of like where this thing has come for me. Like mm-hmm. I there there's been a lot of like the way I see the world is is I don't think, you know, you should put everyone into buckets, mm-hmm. right? Like the nine to five, right? People yeah. think about that or the five year plans or mm-hmm. the 10 year plans or whatever plans you want to th- think of, right? Mm-hmm. The, Isn't that like a communist thing? A five year plan, 10 year plan? So. Uh, yeah. Goddamn right it is. <laughs> fucking communist. Maybe, anyway. maybe, I don't know. Like, I, to me, it's just kind of like, yeah. whenever I think about it, is the, the, the context I think about that thing is like, you have, say you're like meeting your girlfriend's family, you know, yeah. that the, the, the father is always like, so what's, where do you imagine you're going to be in five years? Yeah. Right? That, that conversation is what I imagine that being like. Mm. And that to me, is, this is a conversation of 30 years ago. Yeah. Because the world has changed so much, right? We, mm. we, we've grown up in an age where the computer has changed the world yep. in our lifetime, right? We, yep. We, we have this ability to be tech savvy. I mean, we're doing this right now and <laughs> we don't have bosses. We don't have someone who's mitigating us or anything like that. Yeah. Like we have so much more autonomy. And then like for me, the the ability of like trying things, like experimenting has like changed my life. Mm. Like I decided to work out and I took the engineering way and I like read about, you know, how did like what supplementation take? How to work out? Interesting. Like, all okay. the biomechanics yeah. behind it, and then the biochemistry of supplement intake. Yeah. Like what you know, what does creatine do? What does yeah. BCAs do? And then that slowly evolved mm-hmm. and getting more complex as I you know look look at one part, and then I slowly branch out into new things. Where now Joe's doing you know neuroscience mm-hmm. and psychology. That's like another thing is like I'm starting to get into is where you mm-hmm. like, you look at micronutrients and your mm-hmm. hormones and all that stuff, and like qu- kind of like quantifying yourself, and mm-hmm. then that's turned into me as like a overall how to be as healthy as possible. Interesting. As okay. like an overall how much, thing. How much reading do you think you did before you like, like okay, time to hit the gym, you know? Uh, it, it was just, I knew, I just set the goal, I'm going to do this. Okay. And then parallel to that, I was just, okay, you're just like, like, okay, let's, you know, it was, it was a real time experiment. Okay. Basically, it was like, okay, I know, I know how to do squats. I remember yeah. how to do stuff like that. Yeah. And then it was slowly building a knowledge base and then because I'm very application mm-hmm. oriented. So my degree is electrical engineering technology. Yeah. So I don't know if you've heard of that one. It's a little bit of a weird one where it's like the midway point between electrician and full on double E. Huh. I, so, I didn't know. Like, yeah. I'm sure something like that like existed, but I never yeah, met it's, it's a little bit yeah. weird and there's not many schools that teach it, but yeah. it was part of my associates. So I just decided to stick with it. But basically it gives you enough theory mm. and practical application to be able to design and build. Yeah. It kind of sounds pretty good to me. I'm not going to lie. I love that. Like, I'm it, getting tired it, of the fucking theory. Yeah. So. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've run into students over at NIU who are double E's yeah. and they've never picked up a multimeter in their life. Yeah. And that to me is bananas. Yeah. Because how can you become an engineer if you don't know how to actually measure a voltage? Yeah. If you don't like, <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, like this wire needs to go there. Right. Like, you know, like if you can't To be actually... able to pick up a schematic and go like, uh, oh yeah, that goes there, that goes right. there, this does this. Yeah. yeah. Like so. if you can just read it, but if you can't actually understand, here's the real thing in front of you, like yeah. this is that. Yeah. Then what did you actually learn? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. practical. I, I very much agree. And I feel like college has, uh, college has done a very good job of helping me, you know, uh, change, like learn how to think about engineering problems and do mm-hmm. certain things in the engineering world. But uh, in, in the internships I've worked, like in what I've worked in the field so far, it's been right. very much like I walk in the door. I'm like, I 
feel like I should know how to do this already. Right. And I don't. Yeah. So. I mean, and that's where my whole world is weird. Yeah. I've had a one foot in the working world for the last four years. Yeah. And worked full time while doing school. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I'm like, I had to literally take three days off work to be here right now to do this because. I was going to say, that doesn't exactly sound fun. That <laughs> sounds like a, a extremely busy life. It's very busy and I don't yeah. know how I do half the things I do, but it's just for me, the, the being able to see, cause I work at a lab, basically we do third party testing. So I, yeah. I get basically products from anywhere, like any major company in the United States or world. And we basically test them and make sure they don't break. Out before they get mass produced and put in the field. Yeah. So, but it's like singular components. Like mm -hmm. it could be like a single solenoid that goes into like yeah. a John Deere tractor or something like that. Or like it'll be like a single light that goes on a Boeing 747. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that where it's like singular components that they have to make sure works in its, you know, designated range. And yeah. we're talking about ridiculous things, you know, we're shaking it, we're yeah. blowing it up. We're so I was going <laughs> to say, did you ever, uh, you ever like just get a component and you're like, okay, we need to do these tests on it. Oh, okay. I know how to do this one. Just sling it at the wall. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah. I mean, like the tests, a lot of tests I do are like water tests. Okay. So it's technical IP in yeah. gas protection. Mm -hmm. And so what those do you is. dunk it in a glass of water, see if it still works. Stuff like that. But yeah. it's, it's a little bit more specific. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> like. All right, that works. Ship it. Yeah. I mean, but, but at the same time, is we're, we're doing crazy tests. Like we'll do tests on laptops. We have these giant chambers that are blowing sand and dust. Oh, cool. And so, you, so it's literally simulating, like, do you leave your laptop out in the desert yeah. in a sandstorm? Will it work? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh. You know, stuff like that. And don't recommend that, uh, listener at home. Don't do not leave your laptop out in the sandstorm. You know, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna name the brands because I can't say it. But there's a few laptops that I, they, they've worked oh. after both tests, and it's crazy. <laughs> it's really insane. You know, and I would never have expected it. Uh. And like you just, I've dealt. Like it opens up my eye. Like it opens up your eyes when you get into like an engineering setting, like I have been, of like the practical application of these things, right? Yeah. Because if you think about it. Everything mm -hmm. in our houses or that you have on you at a daily basis has to be tested in some way to make sure it will not harm you, mm -hmm. right? Your yep. car, everything in your car has been tested seven days to Sunday yep. to, to make sure that it won't kill you, you know, mm -hmm. in a catastrophic failure, yeah. right? You know, it's, it's crazy to think about that. Minus right? you trying to kill yourself. Right, but, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Minus user, user yeah. error. Yeah, staring, <laughs> staring at your phone as you're doing right. you know, 80 down the highway. But, but that's just been like my whole thing is like, you know, you just when you get out of the, the academic world and into the real, like mm -hmm. how everything operates and start seeing that everyone's just trying to figure shit out, yeah. you know, that even though they might be older than you, mm -hmm. you have, you just still, they're all just learning yeah. how to best operate in their given, you know, yeah. whatever the, you're operating in, whatever group kind of. Yeah. Being, being an adult, I think that was one of the, the first things that like really struck me in like the professional world. Uh, early on and like made me honestly made me like happy and more comfortable uh, <laughs> is the fact that like I realized that oh no like no one knows what they're doing like yeah. you know like give or take like somebody might like you know might he's been doing this for like the longest time and he, right. like, he kind of gets it but like <laughs> you know when like when something novel comes around like nobody nobody's 100% on like what's what's going on and yeah. everybody's just trying to figure it out as best they can as they go so yeah uh. so the next question I would ask is then how does your your military career transition you from you know, photography and then your choice to go yeah. electrical engineering slash mechanical. Yeah. Like that's a it's kind of like a shift. Yeah. So, uh, like the, the skills themselves don't translate like pretty much at all. Like maybe <laughs> the writing a little bit, you right. know, like, cause being a good writer, like will help you in any career anyway. Absolutely. You all, you always need to be able to write, even if it's just like an email. Yes. Um, but it's more been more like the ability to just work within an organization and work within like logistics, like properly plan, properly organize. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then more than anything, probably leadership ability. Yes. So like it's, I had, I had zero 
leadership ability uh, prior to the military and coming out like it's it's the night and day difference between like how I'm able to manage people and then work with people in a professional uh, professional yeah. setting. Uh, so yeah, that, and then just like general professionalism too. Like, you know, that's one of those things that like you either figure out general professionalism in the military or you right. get the hell out of the military because yeah. <laughs> military doesn't want you anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, and like definitely the leadership and that's like being in a leadership role here at Michigan now, it's, uh, uh, I've learned more and it's, it's what I've learned in the core has been refreshed and built upon and yeah. tested too. So yeah, cause it's civilian leadership and military leadership are a little different. Like a lot of the right. tenants do like do transfer, but yeah, there's a little bit, there's a little less like go do this because I'm a sergeant and a little right, more yeah. like, Hey, we need this done. And this is why could you go do it? Yeah, you have to kind of so. give a why more often yeah. when you, when you're talking with yeah. good leaders in the military though, do that too. And right. I always tried to be that guy and I never tried to be the guy who's like, Hey, you know, go fucking do it because I'm going to start <laughs> private and don't ask any questions. Right. I'll be like, hey, go do this because this needs to be done. Yeah. You don't, that, you don't command is. respect, you ask for respect. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, they give respect too. Yeah, that then, too. Yeah. So, and then, you know, respect will be given back to you if you don't have your head up your ass. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, what was it like the two, the two things a leader does like is, you know, number one, get the mission completed. Number two, care about your people. Yep. Yeah. If you're doing both those things, everything else is secondary after that. So, mm -hmm. or tertiary, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Like for me, I spend so much time listening to like startup, like etiquette, like culture, like culture building. Right. So like how, how do companies like create their, their foundation? Yeah. Right. So like how does a founder go from one employee? Right. Mm -hmm. And how does then that transitions to two, right. Their, their first hire on. Right. And how you basically are building your team from the ground up and finding the right candidates. Right. To mm -hmm. be able to you know, understand the mission statement. Like if you think about like what Elon Musk does yeah. at like a, as a, at a really high level, mm -hmm. he's, he's one of those guys who's able to articulate a vision, mm -hmm. but besides just articulating the vision, he's able to articulate in such a way that it captures the imagination of people who can do yeah. the vision. Right. Interesting. Okay. So that's the, uh, that's the, I'm, I'm a big fan of idioms and, uh, yeah. ideas, so like it's a, I like, uh, I collect them as I go. Um, <laughs> that's the uh, the saying that uh, if you want if you want your men to build a ship, don't tell them about sailing and yeah. how to put uh, planks together. Tell them about the uh, the dream of yeah. you know uh, sailing upon uncharted waters and seeing the world. And then once you get you know you find the right people who believe in that too, you'll figure out how to build a ship. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's really the same. That's seriously the same thing. Like building a rocket, right? Mm -hmm. Just saying this is here. Here's what we're going to do. You, yeah. you lay out the blueprint for mm -hmm. it. But you don't give them how. Yeah. Right? You give them the why, yep. but you don't say how because yep. that, that's why and what. Yeah, it's <laughs> what we want to achieve, and then you know, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. and then it just so. gets done somehow, right? And then they just, you just have the captain at the helm. But you, mm. I, I think a lot of times, like for me too, is like a lot of what I think about is like you see the people who are successful, right? Mm -hmm. And you see their, them as who they are at this moment, right? But you don't see everything that happened before that moment, yeah. right? So that story, there's that whole gray patch that we don't understand. Mm. And there's not many people that do understand those things, mm -hmm. right? But at the point is, like, us three is sitting here right now having this conversation is we're telling our story mm -hmm. of how we got to who we are now, yeah. right? And if you do this over time, you mm -hmm. get to build this picture of, like, how you change because we're not stagnant, right? Within, yeah. within a month, we're learning something new. We're taking something new away from what we've done or someone mm -hmm. else told us to do, right? And there's just there's this constant – I'm not going to say it's positive or, like, growth, but it's you're, you're continually – you're not in a vacuum basically. Yeah. And so for me, it's, it's like you just are continually painting a new picture. You know, mm. you're putting a new line on the page and you're just yeah. slowly filling the book up and you just always are 
collecting something more, right? In whatever way. And then you're, it's, it's up to you to kind of synthesize those things that you're picking up. Right. And that's part of like interacting with people you don't know. Right. And that's like what was fun about yesterday is you get these, all these different people who have all these different thoughts, opinions, and life experiences. Mm. And I'm just there like a sponge on the wall. And I just <laughs> <laughs> like, I get to enjoy like all these different people because I don't normally get to do that. Mm. And, it, and then on top of that, having this microphone, it, it turns into something different from there mm. because then I, because then the conversation like yesterday can turn into something that everybody can learn from. Yeah. Right. Cause there's right. not many people, right. It's like the, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but they like the like, to me, it's a lost art of communication or conversation mm. because there's so much texting and instant messaging and emailing and this quick, you know, communication. Yeah. Right. And so you lose nuance. Yeah. And uh, to me, nuance is one of the most important things. I think nuance and context <laughs> are two of the things that I pay attention to like more than they've always been like, okay, like anything happens anywhere. Nothing ever happens in a vacuum. Yes. Uh, so just okay so something happens and it's ridiculous and you're like how the fuck did that happen you yeah. know and then that's when you have to stop and ask okay why how did they, like that get to the point where that happened yes you know and so like the nuance and the context come in there and then when it comes to so like i like it's the lost art of communication that's interesting i like um <laughs> hmm so i think that i think communication we do extremely well nowadays mm-hmm. when it comes to hard things like okay hey, i'm gonna be here at this time and do this you know yeah, when it comes to the it what, yeah well like in even the how mm-hmm. you know but when it comes to and even things like oh like you know how was your day like how did you know yeah. like you know it's basically but when it comes to really getting deep into the nitty-gritty um mm-hmm. to like get like get into the nuance and get behind things i do feel like i like there are a few people i can <laughs> truly get in there uh and delve into that with but I, I also like, I don't, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that now is so different in that than before. Cause I mean, like think back to, I mean, I wasn't alive, but 30 <laughs> years ago, like what were things that different there was, yeah. was like nuanced conversation, you know, so common. Was it like when our founding fathers were around, like writing right. the, the constitution to America, maybe among them it yeah. was, but they were also the brightest, the best, you know, that mm-hmm. the time had to offer. So like, I, I don't know, are we are we so different in that regard than we have been in the past or, mm. you know, or are we not? Right. Are we looking back yeah. at this thing with these rose colored golden aged glasses yeah. wondering, yeah, we're thinking so much better back then when in reality, nothing's mm. really changed. I think it's, I think it's partly looking at like the context of media, right? Yes. I, I think that's what, that, that I does think, have something to do with it. Yes. I, I think that's what it is for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just think the open discourse, right. Mm-hmm. Is, is to me, the, the ability to have long form, Mm-hmm. You know, like one yeah. hour, right? Because yeah. like the way I always think about it is like, okay, could it cut a conversation like this that we're having? Could it ever be like chunked out to like a three minute summarization? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Right. I mean, it probably could. Yeah. But, but I mean, we're also we're not staying on the same topic either. So that's yeah. my point. Yeah. Is like it's so there's so many things we bounce around on top of mm-hmm. and talk about that. The to me, it's like being able to to hold that right because mm-hmm. none of us are looking at our phone. I think that's the other thing too is yes. disconnecting. Yes. From technology, even for one hour, is huge, right? You know, and I always say this too: is like whenever you turn this thing on, and it's it's like a time warp happens because like, yeah. you just start talking about something. I mean, yesterday it happened too. Like mm-hmm. we wanted just having these really long discussions. Yeah. But no one really checks their phone. Yeah. Everyone's present, uh-huh. and then you're just there, right? Yeah. You're just in that moment talking about these things. Yeah. And I think that's what is powerful about it because yeah. then you're just able to, to, to be, you know, I just was in it with a podcast with. The one it's actually going live soon or it would be live by now but it, it's with um his, he was a dermatologist his name is michael greenberg and he mm-hmm. he had this really cool theory of or like definition for intimacy so right immediately we think about 
intimacy as a um, a romantic thing, right? Yeah. As guys yeah, thinking usually. about women, right? <clears throat> but the way he explained it is the is the root words of it, right? So mm. it's in to me see, and mm. that's intimacy, right? And so what what that is, you're being present with another person, and you're able to be there, and mm. you're 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 listening to their story and who they are, and mm. you're capturing it in that moment. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't think that's the root etymology of no, the word. No, but, but the, I do like it. I do so, like it. Yes, I like that. It's simplistic, <laughs> but I don't know if it's exactly true. Yeah. But I don't care because it's it's yeah. it's really powerful when you start thinking about it in yeah. that way. Because that's what conversations are. At least they should be. Yeah. So yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm I'm very much a fan of if you're at dinner on a date, like anytime you're interfacing with other human beings, put your phone down and can yes. wait. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's it's that's it's how you have a real conversation is you pay attention to the person you're talking to. Yeah. So yeah, all the and you know that's that's why anybody who uh, has ever been in a romantic relationship with me uh, will tell you I am a very bad texter. <laughs> so, uh, uh, maybe, maybe this is something to do with that and I am uh, a bit self-sabotaging. Uh, well, you know, hey, yeah, payoffs and costs for everything, you know? Yeah. So, so to tie it back oh, yeah, in go a ahead. little bit because it's kind of, I'm, I'm hearing a theme which is mm. that we're, there's like two different types of communication that are popping up and it looks to me that it's something like the connotation and denotation mm-hmm. in language itself that we are, we are shifting gears on that we are getting really good at the literal meaning of the words that we say. These direct mm-hmm. things, these yeah. be here at this time, do this, mm-hmm. get this done. Or even with an idea, like, you know, I think, uh, like a technical idea, yes. like it, we're especially good at communicating, or even uh, an idea that you take, like, something like uh, like global warming, you know, that is, like, based in science and fact. Mm-hmm. Um, that, like, you, like you, we are, we've gotten better and better and better at communicating on these things. Uh, but when it comes to something that involves far more nuance, uh, I feel like, yeah, we do still struggle. Right. Uh, so yeah. the, that brings us to the other, <laughs> the other half of this thing mm-hmm. that I was talking about is the connotation of this, of our language and our communication in general, that there's a context to the things that we're saying, that there's yes. meanings beneath the literal words that exist yes. in order to enrich in the, the language and to communicate more information. And that as we've gotten into this 140 character <laughs> world... Oh, it's it's 280 now, please. Oh, 280. <laughs> Have some respect. Excuse me. Don't ever use Twitter. Correct. <laughs> I, 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 I also do not use Twitter. I stay away from it. I'm an, I'm a, I don't Twitter. I don't Instagram. I only picked up Snapchat recently because a uh, woman demanded it of me. <laughs> Uh, I'm not a very good millennial. Like, I won't text, but I will (laughs) go on Snapchat. (laughs) I don't use it anyway. But it's during this, in the social media age that we have, it looks to me that we're getting really good at communicating things in a really quick, literal type way. Mm -hmm. Yes. But the consequence of that is that we're sacrificing the enrichment of language in our communication and this kind of honest like the spirit of the language is lost in this sort of skeleton version yes. of yeah. wording that we're using. Well, yeah. yeah, because there's so much subtext in seeing a person's face mm. and like what you say and what, you know, like when you were explaining thing, Joe, Joe's face lit up because he had an idea when yeah. you asked the question, you know, you lose that when you mm. have a text message, unless you are really striking a nerve with another person. Right? Yeah. You can kind of tell when someone's really interested in something, but overall it's really hard mm. to have, you know, I, I, I could probably count how many times that, you know, a text message got misconstrued because oh, it yeah. comes off either sounding more harsh than it meant to be or whatever, <laughs> because there's not enough, you, you can't put, yeah. you know, emojis are our best <laughs> addition to texting, but at the same time, it's, yeah. 
you just lose something, right? And you're yeah. not able to articulate as effectively. So, so I'll throw some uh, some numbers at you there. I've read, um, uh, I always say like, yeah, I've read an article, but no, I read uh, I read an article on a study. I didn't read the actual Yeah, article, the but, yeah. So take it with a grain of salt. But uh, I've read, read some articles about uh, a couple of things. One, a study that was all about um, that, uh, no matter like who it is, how well the conversation is, mm-hmm. uh, you lose uh, the ability to convince someone who disagrees with you on something uh, via text message, vice, uh, talking to someone, uh, even over the phone with a voice or even better face to face. Yeah. So using a text based communication, communication method is like almost, uh, it can be done, but it's extremely more difficult to convince somebody mm-hmm. who disagrees with you about something than using face to face or voice to voice communication. Right. Did they say um, why? Uh, I don't know what's so. What was it about the texting that cut that out? In this study, no. This was just uh, this was just like okay, they just hey, they did. but then uh, so another article I read was um, it got into how how much like broke up by percentage what uh, everything that we communicate is, and they broke it down oh, okay. to like so it was in interpersonal like face to face communication. Yeah. About sixty percent of what you're the information you're trying to convey was tone of voice. Thirty wow. percent. It's body language, and about ten percent is just the words. Yeah, you're what saying. you actually say. I think so, I think I heard the same or read yeah. the same thing. Before. So that means when you're when you're talking on the phone, that means you're at you're communicating at seventy percent. Yeah, there because you don't have the body language, but you still have the tone of voice. Right. When you're communicating via text over the internet, you're communicating at ten yeah. percent. So now I think our you know depending on your interlocutor, however however much. Uh, However much like mental faculty you put into like you know actually like oh hey I know this person I know what they mean like when they yeah. say this I know kind of get the tone of voice that I'm hearing yeah you can make up some of that you know mm-hmm. like you can maybe like get up back to like fifty percent or something <laughs> like that yeah but like it's it, you're still never gonna get all the way there mm-hmm. and if you're like talking to a stranger you're getting almost nothing you got zero yeah. to yeah. go off of because you don't have any sort of yeah. rapport with the person you don't know who they are because mm-hmm. like you know if I talk to any like my friends who I've known forever right like. I can tell what they say and what they mean because I I have such a you know a knowledge base of who that person is. Yeah, you can I, read it in the other yeah, person's I, voice. Basically, yeah. yeah, like you have this like sixth sense almost of yeah. like who this person is, right? Yeah. But you know? even even with my closest friends, you know, I still screw it up sometimes. Right. Like, oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. You were joking there. I thought you were serious. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. The, so the, the the sarcasm doesn't come through, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Very so, hard. Yeah. The, the <laughs> te- yeah. Texting, <laughs> texting, and the uh, internet communication is the death of sarcasm. So seriously, yes. yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's yeah. Uh, and I'm bad at sarcasm. Like, <laughs> in person, like, dear dear God, don't get me getting. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, the the other thing is like kind of going back to like the the leadership thing. Mm. Have you ever had a point where like there's a like failure thing? Like how do you deal with a failure, a failure in my leadership or a failure in a, somebody I'm leading either way or failure in communication. Yeah. Anyway, any, any sort of failure, because that's a huge, it's a huge (laughs) thing because like, you know, dealing with, because we are going to fail at any point. Right. And dealing with that and not Mm -hmm. letting it hang over you is huge. And I don't think a lot of people have enough context to be able to, to understand it because we're all afraid to fail, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah man. So to yeah, to answer the first question, yeah, yes, I have failed as a leader. <laughs> Holy shit, I have. Um, but that's you, you fail and then you learn and you grow. Um, and then sometimes you have to ask with your failures, though, could I have succeeded? You know, and sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes the answer is no. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example I could work with. Um, oh, I had a, uh, one of my Marines, uh, while I was in, uh, she, so two of them actually, um, 
uh, both, both women under my command, they both, uh, had drinking problems and I, I was none the wiser to them like far, like I didn't figure it out until long after I feel like I should have. Oh, um, yeah. well, we, we, we ended up both getting, uh, them into treatment programs, but the one I should have, if I would have figured it out earlier, I would have avoided, avoided a, like a, an incident that caused a lot of pain and heartache for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that could have. Uh, I could have, you know, if I would have noticed and like done, and then also had the balls to do something because just knowing, and then like sometimes uh, you might go, oh, okay, yeah, they drink a lot, but like there's a military, everybody yeah, drinks a lot. Yeah, it's not you know? a problem. Kind yeah. Of yeah, we're we're all like we all drink to get by. So right. and like uh, <laughs> like even myself, there was a point where like I was probably in like early stage alcoholism, mm-hmm. like just dealing with the everyday bullshit, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a Tuesday night, everybody in the barracks is hammered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so there, there was a point where I was, uh, I, I would come back from work at night and I used to buy uh, those big, not the like normal bottles of Barefoot, but like the like what a liter size, oh like the big God. ones. And in two nights I'd go through one of those. So just go home and just sit down, play video games and you like- sip through it? Yeah, just like you slowly sip through it and then like, like, oh, okay, hey, I'm drunk, guess I'll go to bed so I yeah. can get up at 5 a.m. and go run again. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, alcoholism right there. Yeah. So, but for the one, like we did notice that there was an incident and then we like, we we're like, okay, it's so, like, there's a problem here. Got her into treatment and, uh, she ended up being okay. Right. Um, but, uh, and then the other one though, like it's an incident happened. We got her into treatment. Uh, and then she got a slap on the wrist for, cause she was basically just showing up to work drunk. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, the next, uh, like immediately after the slap on the wrist, uh, another problem she had like, you know, immediately didn't take any, um, like didn't take anything to heart and like, didn't take, like, wasn't paying attention to her, her remediation in terms of her alcoholism mm-hmm. or anything. And just like, didn't care. And was like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to drink however the hell I want to drink, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so another problem immediately afterwards. Uh, and with that one, I asked, like, did, could I have succeeded with her? Mm-hmm. You know, could I have, because, um, yeah, I've, I've had alcoholics in my family too. And then I felt, uh, with her, like, this is the first time I had really seen it. Uh, I'd, I'd seen it before in like a developed form. Yeah. I'd never seen it before in like the early stages, right. you know, where like the drinking is too much clearly, but they have yet to recognize that they have a problem, you yeah. know, and they're entirely unwilling to, even if multiple people and people they trust are like, Hey, you have a, like, there's, this is a problem. You need help. Kind yeah. Of like thing. you need yeah. help. Like you need to not drink so much. Um, and so with her, yeah, it was just like, we, we tried and then, uh, so, uh, and then she, 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 like another incident happened, uh, and she like got like insanely drunk one night when she still wasn't supposed to and like tried to fight somebody and it was a whole wow. thing. So, but yeah. after that I was like, okay, like she clearly doesn't care. And she had been like problem, problematic other ways before. Um, so when they were pulling her up before I actually tried, uh, I testified to our commander. I wanted to get her processed out of the Marine Corps. Um, wow. yeah. And then, uh, a, uh, my staff sergeant at the time uh, agreed with me, and uh, so the, you know the CEO took it under advisement. He decided to no, we're not going to process her out, but they you know did punish her like far more severely and made sure she was in like a program that she had to attend and okay. know, at least be you know, whether or not yeah. she puts herself into it. Uh, and so while she was still going through that, um, you know it's she was then you know demoted down to private, and you know mm-hmm. she was still working. Uh, give or take over the time. And like, I saw no change yeah. uh, in her. And then that was the time I got out of the Marine Corps. That was the okay. very end of my time. Um, so I got out and then uh, I heard, cause I did a road trip around uh, America after oh, a while. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, going home uh, from uh, from Arizona back to uh, Michigan here. And, okay. uh, but I was, as I was driving, one of my uh, one of my buddies called me up and he was like, hey, uh, yeah, 
this uh, this Marine again, she's um, uh, yeah, she got in trouble again for you know showing up to work drunk and yeah. like just, like right one like a week after she got off of her you know like military probation. Yeah. Um, it's like yeah, uh, she's probably getting processed out now, and I'm like, and that's one of those cases like could could I have done something right there? Yeah. Could you set it up to, in some way that yeah, as like as a leader, could I have? Could I have made a difference there? And I don't know. You know, right. like, I, I don't have the answer. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Th- I mean that. I mean, obviously, that stays with you, right? Yeah. Like, so, those experiences are going to yeah. carry you forward, and yeah, I, I think that shows a lot about your character. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, it's it's, it's well, thank you. <laughs> like, it really does. Yeah, but it's, I I care far more about the first one than the second one. Because mm-hmm. the first one, like when a problem was identified, and we're like, oh, hey, this is something that needs to be addressed. She was she stopped, looked at her life, and was like yeah, you're right. right. And then like dedicated herself to improvement and did. Right. Um, and, uh, but the other one was not. And so I, I, yeah. I see myself in myself more of a failing in the first, yeah. uh, in the former than the latter. So, yeah. I yeah. mean, that makes a lot of sense. Too. Addiction yeah. is a weird thing though. It really is. Mm-hmm. I mean, to add a little bit of context in that, that's like, what I've seen with addicts is that they don't ever really bounce back until they've hit that rock bottom. Yes. Mm-hmm. They have, and it does, there's no defined rock bottom. Yeah, Every, it's everyone's judging. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's that point when they go, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, this is an issue. Right. So, to some degree, you can you can put per, a person in their probation, you can put them into yeah. a fucking program, and they can do it for six weeks, and they can maybe even be sober for those yeah. six weeks. Mm-hmm. But well, if they don't they, think they have a problem, then... Forget yeah. it, because... Yeah. And, that's part of the danger with mm-hmm. these types of dopamine releasing drugs anyway, is mm-hmm. that that reinforces not only what video t- games. Yeah. Hey, yeah. A lot <laughs> of things. Right? Yeah, Anything yeah. that releases dopamine is a reinforcement of the behavior of the thing that leads you to that dopamine. Release. Yes. Right. So it's not a liking of the thing that you're doing. It's a reinforcement of the behavior. Yeah. Yes. So you can be, you can not even like to smoke cigarettes. Mm-hmm. You can be, have smoked them for 20 years and be like, I don't even fucking enjoy this. I get nothing out of it. I get no buzz. I get yeah. nothing. Yeah. But I will still fucking do it because it is such a powerful reinforcement of that behavior that I just do it without even thinking. And the yeah. cravings get so fucking intense. Yep. So there's a point where, where that reinforced behavior is so strong that mm-hmm. the only way you're going to break it is to recognize just how fucked it's gotten. Yeah. Mm. Like, yeah. like for me the big one is caffeine. Interesting. So, okay. so I, I yeah. spend a lot of time thinking about like the brain and stimulants and things like that. I actually yeah. wrote an article on like rethinking how we use caffeine since yeah. it's so prevalent as a, as a stimulant. Yeah. Right? It is a drug. It like, really it's, is. It's, I mean, it's, straight, it's straight up a drug. My personal so. favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and my experience is I don't, I'm not a coffee person, not yeah. really, but I, I did get into pre-workouts for working out and things like that. And yeah. the pre-workout I was taking has 350 milligrams of caffeine per serving. Oh, wow. That's a lot. So it's a fucking lot. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I was taking that around four o'clock every day. Yeah. And so I was thinking, I'm like, well, shit. Like, that's probably not going to process out of your body by the time midnight rolls around. Right. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. So like, if you think about it just from sleep quality that's an issue yep. but i found myself i took this because i go to the gym almost every day mm-hmm. being type a good on you man <laughs> i try <laughs> but like well I, I you know i'm routinized so yeah. I, I you know i go to work i come yeah. home and i go straight to the gym you know yeah. whatever like there's no it's just baked right into my schedule but yeah. i was taking this thing every day mm-hmm. and it got to the point where it wasn't the fact that it was a pre-workout mm-hmm. it was just that this is part of my routine and i enjoy taking it right yeah and it got to the point where it was like two months or so, and I was not feeling that rush anymore. Like, yeah. you know, that, that boost in focus or whatever that you yeah. normally get from caffeine. And so that got me thinking, I'm like, what's going on here, right? And then I, like, did more research on, like, 
caffeine and how it interacts with the body and like the science of half-life right yeah so even though so even though it's like 350 milligrams mm-hmm. in that first six hours it only drops half of that yep yeah caffeine has a half-life of six hours when i right. learned that i changed my caffeine habits yeah so and, and so yeah. that's been my thing is like i try to do like one month caffeine zero basically yeah. now like every other month and then oh, like, wow. huh. yeah so it's, it's good for you like, i can't do that <laughs> it's hard it's really hard yeah. it's usually that fr- so it's like a two-day window so the first mm-hmm. day no caffeine it's fine yeah second day it fucking sucks yeah like around like six or so o'clock yeah i get headaches i'm sleepy yeah and i'm like irritable and i don't want to do shit i just want to like lay down and sleep and that's like the weirdest thing ever Mm -hmm. right because i'm just having caffeine yeah it's not a hard drug Mm -hmm. not really right i mean it is a hard drug i mean you're right i mean it's still addictive and i notice it and so like right now i got a, like a, a lower dose I uh, just drinking one earlier today it's called mm-hmm. Ignite and it's got 150 milligrams of caffeine in it yeah but I still find myself that when a cup of so uh, just for I I can remember it's, what's a cup of uh, coffee is it, is it 55 or is it like 100 it's like 80 80, mil, 80 to 80? 90 milligrams oh, 80 90, okay yeah, yeah and it, it depends on the coffee yeah it depends true, on how much, it depends on how brewed it, how brewed it is yeah. I know that even though decaf is technically decaffeinated yeah, it's like, like 10 coffee, or something it's like around 10 to 15 yeah. milligrams of caffeine in it yeah but like for me, it was just kind of like, even if I have access to it, mm-hmm. there's something about it. my body will, will make excuses. My brain will make excuses like, yeah, I should have caffeine. Yeah. Like it's really weird. Like mm. if I, like I just have to have no option for it. Yeah. Otherwise I will make up an excuse to have it. Interesting. It's very strange. And so in that month after you like clear that, uh, cause usually after like a week, yeah, it's usually your body is like completely cleared mm-hmm. itself of like, uh, most of your caffeine dependency. Yes. Um, uh, but even after that week and even after two weeks, do you still feel that like craving? No, uh, I really don't, have a, I don't really have a okay. craving anymore, okay. but if I will have access to it, I'll start thinking about like, okay. if I, like I just, like I'll use up the pre-workout and won't buy more, yeah. you know, until I feel like oh, I want to kind of okay. thing. Cause if it's around, then I'll like, just be like, well, I have it. Might as well use it kind yeah. of thing. It's just still performance enhancing in some way. But yeah. the, the way I see it is like, why would I want to use it as a thing? You know, people wake up and they're groggy, whatever. They're not mm-hmm. getting quality sleep. And they have caffeine in the morning as a cup of coffee mm-hmm. to get themselves to, to eight. Yeah. Why not wake up normally and be at like a nine ten? Yeah. And then use caffeine to get yourself to eleven, twelve, thirteen. Yeah. To execute in something that you need to do in your day. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I I will be the first person to admit I have a caffeine dependency. So I know yeah. both of you do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I I cannot <laughs> if I do not have caffeine when I wake up I cannot function. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So and I understand that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm well aware of that. So yeah. I should like take a week <laughs> off, but like. Hey, I got school to do. So, I know, yeah. I get it. Yeah. But it's I'm just, not even gonna make excuses. I just like coffee. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, yeah, that too. So, yeah. no, I know, I know. I'm totally like of an outlier here, but mm-hmm. I still think it's worth at least doing. So, like, I so I'm actually gonna be doing a, a report for school about on this, and so it's we're looking at like a quality problem, and so mm-hmm. my quality problem is stimulants versus productivity and basically sleep. Looking yeah. at sleep and stimulants, and mm-hmm. how does that affect everything, right? Yeah. And so my question is caffeine, and I've actually made a survey that's mm-hmm. going to be. Uh, passed around and try to get people to kind of see what are your like consumption habits like, right? Yeah. And then the end is, uh, what do you do? You see yourself being willing to do twenty four to seventy two hour like zero caffeine? Yeah, maybe twice a week, right? Yeah, like you do one twenty four hour fast, mm-hmm. zero caffeine in one day. Right? Yeah, could you do that? Yeah. Or would you be willing to do that, right? Yeah. Just to see the benefits, because mm. like it really it was for me it was an experiment and to see if does my sleep quality improve. Mm. And it actually does. Yeah. So it's um, the research. I know a little bit. Of I know. I'm an, I know I'm an yeah. N of one too. So 
take it with a grain of salt, but yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, the research on it does show like, if you cut your caffeine intake, you are like, you are going to sleep better. Yes. Like, it's guaranteed. Unless like, uh, maybe like the morning coffee will have processed out of your body, body enough mm-hmm. toward like not impacting. But if you're having a coffee at like 4 PM, that is affecting your sleep. Yes. So, um, and then the other, uh, is that when you have caffeine to try to make yourself more productive, productive when you are tired, yes. uh, you feel like you do much better. Your work <laughs> is much better, but there's actually uh, not much of a, uh, a statistical difference. Like a in, cognitive boost. Yeah, and like in how how well you actually function. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the the numbers can vary from like no difference at all to maybe a slight boost. Yeah, but like the real boost in productivity comes from getting yeah. eight plus hours of sleep. So, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kind of mentioned yesterday that the best the best performance enhancing drug you can do is improve your sleep. Yep. Like it's yep. crazy. It's like, no, nothing worth <laughs> worse than trying to function on like three hours of sleep. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and there's just a whole host of like epigenetic like consequences of limiting sleep over long periods of time. Like there's so many things that just go oh, yeah. sideways. Yeah. Like I'm listening to the book uh, Why We Sleep yeah. by Dr. Matthew Walker right now. Mm-hmm. I was actually listening to it on the drive here. And it's just crazy how much sleep does, yeah. right? It's, yep. it's such a strange and phenomenon. And, you know, the badge of honor that people have, like, oh, I like, have six hours of sleep. Yeah, welcome, welcome to the military, man. Right. So, especially the Navy. The Navy is the worst about that. Really? Yeah, how they're like, oh, you slept six hours last night? Oh, you, you, you fucking pansy. Like, hey, you slept all day. Why are you tired? Come on, work harder, you know? Oh, my God. So, yeah, whereas, like, it's you, you see it in every service. Um um, but the Navy is the worst. Yeah. So. I would not have expected that. Yeah. Well, it's all of these, these accidents that have happened with, uh, ships like running into tankers or something like that. It's because huh. like everyone was just so sleep deprived that right. like they can like barely function, you know? Yeah. So if you've been awake for 60 hours straight, like you can't drive a ship anymore. Yeah. Even if you're there, even if you've had coffee, even you're if barely you're like, even a functional. Yeah. Like your, your, your brain is just not capable of doing what it needs you're to. You're not functional. You can literally look at the statistics and it's just as dangerous to drive tired as it is to drive drunk. Yeah. Yep. Yep. In, in the book, they actually co- quote some research studies that they did. Basically what happens is if you are sleep deprived, I want to say it was a week. I'm not hundred percent sure, but basically mm-hmm. if you're sleep deprived, what your brain will do is it'll micro sleep. Yep. Where, yeah. where you close your eyes and you're like not there yep. and you're, you're like asleep for a couple milliseconds. So it's, yeah. the way they analogized it was basically it's like if you had listened to a heart rate monitor, it was like it'd be like beep, beep, and beep, and then beep. Huh. Interesting. That's like that's your brain. That's what yeah. your brain's doing. It's literally shutting, flatlining, yeah. shutting down for like a split second. Just to try to get something like yeah. some little bit of rest. Yeah. It's it was strange. Yeah. So then they equated that to like at the rate of your travel in your car. Like if you're going 30 miles an hour, that's an, that's enough to transition into one lane, and you're you know. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like if you're going 60 miles an hour, that's enough for you to go all the way across. And yeah. then you're, you know. I, I I do agree that yeah, and like just that driving tired is one of the most dangerous yeah. things you can do. So. I definitely had some yeah. scares on that kind of yeah. stuff before. The most the most unsafe I've ever felt driving a car though was um when I got a concussion at a concert really yeah and I was gonna try to drive home and I got in my car and started driving did you know you had like, the concussion I was pretty sure okay like thing, things weren't right you know oh, like I couldn't fuzzy like, in things I was fuzzy I couldn't like put two to, two and two together in my brain you know and so like I, I knew something was wrong and um and so I started driving and I was like, I don't think I can make it home. Like it was wow. like a 10, 15 minute drive back home. Wow. And so I drove to my buddy's house two minutes away. Uh, just like stayed there until I felt better, you know? So, That's but yeah, that was, yeah, that was interesting. So speaking of military and driving and bad habits, yeah. we got voluntold one time <laughs> to go and do security at a concert in LA and they, they're like, well, you'll have free Marine Corps ball tickets. So you're good. Oh, Except totally I spent more fucking money on gas <laughs> than Marine Corps fucking ball ticket was worth. So whatever. All right. 
and spent my whole Sounds day right. there. Yeah, and then didn't leave until like two in the morning or something, and I drive back from LA. So that's like an hour and a half, two hour drive. Yeah, right. If you're lucky, and I was. <laughs> Fucking! So, I was so I was like ridiculously dangerously tired. Yep. Like everybody else in the car, unconscious, and I'm like, I've been there too. Barely, oh! barely awake, like white knuckling this fucking yeah, thing, slapping yeah. myself in the face, trying yeah. to stay the fuck. Radio away. blaring and everybody's still asleep. Yep, you know? doesn't yeah, doesn't matter. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. I've I've been there and, there and like a couple times. You'll even like I like I, I remember specifically the drive twice. Like I like. So I, I remember once I nodded off with one eye open. I don't know wow. how I managed that, but then I hit the, the things on the side of the road and like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm awake. So, yeah. Those things are yeah. saviors. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. So whoever, whatever, in, like, you know, civil engineer came yeah. up with that, like, hey, thanks, man. Like, you've saved so many lives. So yeah. Seriously, that's like the scariest thing ever, too. When you hear that, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, so I actually, uh, when I was 15 years old, I uh, I fell asleep at the wheel and uh, totaled my car. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, yeah. I hit, I hit, it's one of the, like, again, one of those times where, like, man, did, like, did I fuck up. Um, I, I hit three other cars. So oh. yeah. So one person like had uh, like uh, a slight injury to their arm too. Like everybody like was nobody died. Like and I heard later like no she she was fine. Um, mm-hmm. But like you know went to the hospital got checked out. But yeah it's just one of those things like man like you fuck up behind the wheel like you can make a, like you know not even drinking or anything just like you screw up that hard yeah. like you can like ruin lives. So yeah. Yeah I mean you yeah. don't want to play around. I mean the when way I was, uh, when I was in. Eleven Marines, we had a guy in five eleven Matthews yeah. unit, right? When we were driving up to Twenty Nine Palms, they had best one guy in five eleven had been kept up for like two days, mm. and then he had to drive a fucking Humvee all the way to Twenty Nine oh, Palms no. from there. Falls mm. asleep at the wheel. Everybody in the Humvee's asleep. Goes in another lane, crashes head on with a woman, kills her and her kids. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Like straight up ruins a family. Yep. Like all because. The, they literally kept this dude awake for like two days. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then told him to drive. Yeah. Why would they They're do that? One f- like how... So the, the, the military has a culture of like, uh, especially the Marine Corps, uh, of just being tough. Like, oh, tough it up. Right. Like, you know, yeah. you can do it. Like, quit being a pansy. You know? Yeah. Like, just get the job done. I mean, I get that. Yeah. Which some in reason. some things, like, is incredibly useful. Yes. And is, is super helpful. I think for um, personal, like, pushing yourself per- at a personal yeah, but level, when it, it's fine. It comes to doing something, like, unsafe. Like, yes. no, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, yeah. The, it's like, in war, you... I understand why that cut came to be. Yeah. yeah. Answer, right. Because if you're at war and you are tired and people if, yeah, attack if I have you, to outdrive like the, this, like the Soviet tanks. Right? Barely yeah. Down on us. yeah. I'm not going to sleep. Like <laughs> I might be tired, but I'm going to keep driving. Right, if you tell yeah. somebody that fucking thing, like, listen, I need to take a nap. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like, it makes sense yeah. that that thing came to develop, but you need yeah. to be able to turn that off when yeah. you're in a situation that doesn't work. Yeah. Because yeah. it's dangerous. Right. Otherwise. Like one yeah. of the things that kind of changed my perspective on it too was, um, I want to say he was a SEAL. He might have been a ranger. But I listened to another podcast with him on it, and he was telling his, like, how he operates, right, mm-hmm. in, in the theater of war, right? And so he, when he said, they, they asked him, like, so do you drink caffeine or do you have, like, that stuff, right? Because you're, you're given caffeine pills mm-hmm. in the military to stay awake when you're yeah. on deployment. And so what he said, he's like, unless I'm out in the field, yeah. I do not use the caffeine pills until I absolutely need it. Yep. That's because, a smart way to do it. Because, yeah, because he's like, I, if I'm deployed, I don't want to have that already in the back room, you know, mm-hmm. to, to function. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to take that when it's absolutely direly necessary yep. because that's going to be life or death. Yep. Right. And I thought that, I think that is really important to think about. Yeah. yeah. Just as like another way of like framing these things. Right. Yeah. Cause anything that affects the brain, right. Yep. <laughs> you don't want to be playing around with it. Yeah. <laughs> At least yeah. not over long periods of time. Yeah. And so 
you know, I can't think we've like undershadowed like what this actually kind of does, you know, mm-hmm. looking at sleep and caffeine and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cause it's such a, it's such a weird thing within culture, right? Mm-hmm. Cause we, we, we always, we, we value productivity and, you know, pulling yourself up and, you know, pushing through and yeah. all that kind of stuff so much in our culture, right? Especially in the military, mm-hmm. right? It's one of those things you kind of have to like yeah. take a step back sometimes. Even in the upper, upper levels of the working world too. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a problem like now even where you're looking at the, the Silicon Valley culture mm-hmm. and the startup culture and then any of the lower, like really competitive schools, like kids growing up now. Yeah. Adderall. Oh yeah. yeah. Adderall is insane. I don't know if yep. you guys deal with it here. It's oh, it's, it's everywhere. One bond away from meth. Yeah. Right. That's like, <laughs> right. Oh, so, no, isn't Adderall actually like the, it's, 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 it's all the same meth. chemicals. Like, it it's the just like, thing. yeah, it's like one connection. They, oh, really? Yeah. So like they, the company that like was first putting out Adderall, they like, they looked at meth and they like changed one thing like chemically. So it basically did the same thing. Yeah. And like changed one tiny thing and they're like, oh yeah. That should tell you something right there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're giving kids meth. Yeah. Yeah. Giving ADHD. I mean, there was a really good documentary on that where Mm -hmm. there's like students, uh, take your pills, I think it's called on Netflix. Yeah. And it's basically looking at students who have to take Adderall just to be competitive. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know students here who absolutely depend on it to get through exams. So that's crazy yeah. to me. Like, mm-hmm. I don't. I've never had any of that bad. stuff, and I don't want to yeah. because I just. You're 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 dancing a fine line. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I was I was talking to a guy just uh, recently actually. He's like, yeah, I had a prescription, you know, like, and I was taking it, and like it really helped and everything. But he he said he got to the point where like I didn't feel human anymore. Right. You know, and uh, he said he uh, when he stopped taking him, it was really really difficult for him. Uh, because he, uh, he was so dependent on it. He fell into a depression. Wow. So yeah, cause his body just wasn't getting those, those stimulants anymore, those mm-hmm. uppers. And then, so yeah, he just fell, fell down, uh, fell, and like had a really rough time for like a month, month or two. Wow. So yeah. Yeah. So, no, cause those things are crazy. Yeah. There are other drugs that function a little bit differently, mm-hmm. um, that aren't so akin to meth, <laughs> but like you're not going to escape like any sort of. Uh, like downsides like that. If your body gets used to having a stimulant constantly in it, mm-hmm. um, there are going to be downsides, you know, right. regardless of what the drug is. Yeah. So whether it's caffeine, it's Adderall, Vyvanse, or like cocaine or meth. Right. So, yeah. Pick yeah. your flavor, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, and they all, they're all addictive in their, in some uh, capacity, like to some extent, to some magnitude. Yeah. You know, and they're all have all withdrawals and side effects to some <laughs> magnitude. I mean, so, everything, you know, yeah. everything's a give and take, right? Yep. There's, there's never anything that's hundred percent positive. Yeah. So my, my rule with, uh, the, you know, the, the legal drugs that exist. So your, your alcohol, your tobacco, your mm-hmm. caffeine, and now the, uh, now in growing more and more places, uh, marijuana mm-hmm. is, um, can you not? You know? Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah, if you that's were, a really good rule of thumb. Yeah. If you were able to, like today, if you were able to go like, no, nah, I could, I could go a month without drinking and be totally fine. Like, yeah. you know, I don't need it. Then yeah, you're probably okay. Right. If, if that, if you ask yourself that question, like, can I not like skip my morning cup of coffee? Then you probably have a dependency, yes. you know, and do with that information what you will. Right. But yeah, just to, to I think yeah. having the mental awareness for yeah. that kind of stuff, especially too, it's like when I, whenever I have like a, a an adverse reaction of like, what if I didn't, couldn't have this for a day or something like yeah. that? It was like, and if I'm like, oh no, like I need that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Then I'll immediately I'm like, okay, then I'm going to start doing that more now because I have this, you know, some sort of resistance to doing whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. Right. You know, Makes like, you a more disciplined man than I. <laughs> <laughs> I it's just conscientious of the, yeah. being aware of who, like, cause we all fall into patterns, right? Yep. We're all creatures of habit. Yeah. Right. And so we always, you kind of have to look 
I'm not mm-hmm. saying you have to do this with anything because there's a point where you just analyze, overanalyze something. But yeah. like, there's certain things you have to kind of back off a little bit sometimes and be like, okay, maybe mm-hmm. I do need to relook at this again. Yeah. Right? Am I getting enough sleep? And yeah. then, then that kind of triggers different things, you know, from there. Mm-hmm. As you as you definitely need it, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of big on quantifying self. I'm wearing a tracker that does. <laughs> <laughs> it's like looks at my sleep and all that stuff. And so yeah. It's just kind of like one of my things to kind of understand that. But for me, it's kind of like if I can like do this to myself – and then I can figure out like, oh, this kind of worked for me and like mm. share it in a way that gives enough data to then yeah. give it to someone else and be like, hey, if you just try to do this yeah. two days a week, whatever, yeah. like, make it simple, right? Mm. <laughs> then then it could help someone else to just rethink it their own way, right? Yeah. I can, I'll lead it, I'll, I'll explain it to you, but then mm. you can just take it or leave yeah. it, right? <laughs> and uh, and taking, taking time off of something like that also uh, can also maybe help you to learn how much it is affecting you because I've yes. found this... Uh, uh, I actually found this out through my uh, how much I played video games. Oh really? Um, yeah, in uh, in the past, where like, like I, I stopped and I was like, I'm really like spending too much time doing mm-hmm. it. Like this is having negative consequences on my life. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm gonna, like take a break and get away from it. Yeah. Um, and then after like a couple days away from like not playing anything, uh, I can actually feel like physically feel. And like there was there was a time about like probably two years ago where I was able to put my finger on the feeling like I am craving right now the dopamine rush right. and like the feelings of relaxation I get from sitting down and playing video games. Right. Like I have a physiological and mental like dependence on this thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's, so, so it's helped me to limit my intake a little yeah. bit better than I have in the past. It, so, yeah. It, it, video games are such a strange thing, right? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people get into them from, from an escapism mm-hmm. point, yeah. right? And even as like a young kid, you know, I probably started playing when I was like eight years old. Right, me know? too. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> me and Joe go way back and that's what we used to do all yeah. the time growing up. Like we would just mm-hmm. sit and play video games yep. constantly, hours, yep. right? Like, you know, and that's, I, it, I think at this point it'll be something that I do sporadically for the rest of my life, yeah. you know, to give and take for, for reasons that, you know, you just get busier as you get yeah. older for different reasons, but, yeah. you know, I, I'll still do it, but I, there's definitely points in my life where it wasn't just for because I wanted to relax. Yeah. It was, there's something else going on, right? Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Is there a need to do this, mm-hmm. right? Are you covering? I think it's a meaning issue. Yeah, and, it is and, a little and bit. I think it's no coincidence at all that what you end up having in a lot of video games is playing the archetypal hero, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You're playing out that hero yeah. story. When you yeah. look at this like World of Warcraft. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I mean, exactly legitimate, like it World legitimately is that. <laughs> you, are, you are living out an adventurous world that you would not have in your life otherwise. Yes. Yeah. And that you have these... You see that in film and TV a lot too. Yes, you definitely see that in film Mm -hmm. and TV. And part of, I think, why it's so addictive in video games is because, well, one, you're embodying the character. Absolutely. You are are doing it. Well, you start at zero Mm -hmm. and you're accumulating knowledge and power in in a video game sense. It's Mm -hmm. gamifying. It's gamifying life, right? Also, there's plenty of Skinner Box stuff that goes in there too. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of... A lot of psychological traps that they, oh, I mean, they keep going. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so much of the positive release of, of the positive experience of emotion that you'll experience, that you'll have in your life at all is a result of not achieving uh, your goal, it's the process. but in pursuit of that goal, yes. yep. and or pursuit of a long-term goal and hitting the incremental things on the way. Yes. So video games, especially something like World of Warcraft, is perfectly set up for that, where yes. you have this long-term, Commitment. almost unending journey that you can go mm-hmm. on with all these incremental improvements along the way. Yeah, right. That you go on all yeah. along the way. So you can live out that story. Yes. Providing you with an artificial meaning that you yes. can't get in your <laughs> waking life. I mean, I have 
I got a quantified one, which is huge too. I've and you see it. the numbers. Yeah. I have it. I've, you know, Joe, mm-hmm. I've had an account since freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. I remember playing the trial with you guys yeah. and I was like, yo, fuck this. I'm about to never stop. So I'm yeah. like, you knew, I, you knew. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, nope. I, uh, I probably lost about six months of my life total to World of I haven't looked so. checked. I have not checked my play time on my characters, but I have. Oh God, not play time. No, if I didn't, that would be horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> no, just like six months on and off where like all I did was come home. Like right. my responsibilities during the day done, go home, play World of Warcraft. Yes. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm, and you know, Part of what I try to do now, too, is understanding that everything is a process, right? Mm-hmm. Looking at it from, like, a psychological standpoint, almost, is that the, the when you try something, you know, because a lot of us, when we try something new, we suck, right? Mm-hmm. But, almost everyone. So Yeah, yeah. Almost, I mean, yeah. <laughs> almost everyone. Like, yeah, when, yeah. You, when you, you know, the bar graph of skills, whatever, yeah. you all start a different playing field, but regardless, you can yeah. always improve. Yes. And when you start something new, it's, it's kind of like... Why in a video game can you start out of something and suck, mm. but you know in, inherently in the structure of that game that you will get better, right? Yeah. But it's so much harder to conceptualize that for your own life, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. you're always... It's because it's a guarantee in a video game. Yeah, it's, I know. It's, it's right. You go into the video game <laughs> yeah. with an understanding that it's designed in order to facilitate that. Yeah. yeah. But in real life, it's not a guarantee. So yeah, you, you just got to do and figure it out. Yeah. Know? I think people... I actually think that to some degree, the idea that it isn't, that life doesn't facilitate that growth is an illusion. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That it's our own anxieties about mm-hmm. potential dangers mm-hmm. and failures. It's and, the, oh, and the fear of success. So the fear of failure, the fear very of success. Yeah. And the self-sabotage, right? Yeah. It's like, what if I, you know, we always get stuck in those patterns of thought where it's like, what if I do this? What if I do that? Yeah. It's, it's You're looking too far ahead, yeah. right? Or when you go to the other end of the spectrum is, well, I've always done X, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've always failed here. Or mm-hmm. like every time I try something new, yeah. kind of, that kind of thinking, right? So you're looking at the two extremes, but you're not here in the present, mm-hmm. you know? And so like when I think about it, it's like, okay, all you can do, like kind of going back to like how I got into working out, right? Mm-hmm. I was not athletic. I did freshman year football. I was 5'1", 110 pounds. I had no <laughs> right to be on that field. But I did it anyways because my friends talked me into it. <laughs> Good man. Good man. Yeah, they did. And I, and I committed to it, though. Like, yeah. I had never played a sport in my life. Huh. And I just did it. Yeah. And I got into, like, weightlifting gyms and stuff like that. Did not care for shit. Mm-hmm. I just resigned myself to the fact that I was not athletic. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to about 21. Uh, some of our friends come back and they're going to school and they're like, hey, you should try working out. I gave this typical excuse. I'm busy. I have a job. I move around. Whatever. Yeah. Gets to the point where I'm kind of like got this thing set where I got a good job, whatever. Like, school's fine. And then I'm kind of like, I need a new challenge. Right. Mm. And the seed had been planted to try to work out. And then I was like, well, this is going to suck because I'm going to start thinking about, well, this is where I was in high school. That was like four years ago at the time. Mm. And I was like, okay. First things first, I have to leave the ego at the door. Mm-hmm. I'm starting over from zero. Mm-hmm. I still can remember how to do these things, but I can't judge myself on what I did. Otherwise, I will kill any momentum that I'm building because you're you're giving yourself that's a, that's so hard to do. An anything. easy way out. Yeah, yeah. in anything, especially physical things. I think right. I found so it's, it's leaving your ego at the door. Yeah, yeah. it's it's very hard. And so yeah. I just kind of said, okay, fuck it, clean the slate, and you're gonna try. And the mm-hmm. other part of it was for me is. I was drinking like six cans of pop a day yeah. and I knew that was, <laughs> no bueno. so I knew yeah. that was unhealthy, yeah. right? I didn't know how unhealthy that was going to be mm. until later on. Like I did more research and whatever mm. on it, 
but I knew that that needed to stop. And yep. so there was that mental switch for me that I just said, fuck it, zero pop. I mm-hmm. just quit. Yeah. Straight up. Good man calling it pop, by the way. Uh, that is, that is, yeah, that's correct. Midwestern. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, from there, it just kind of, like, opened the door of, like, you can try, mm. and you're going to learn how to do this. Yeah. And you might not do it all right, yeah. but as long as you continue to try and do better a little bit every day, mm-hmm. then it opens doors. Yep. Right? And you, that's kind of been, like, my foundation for everything I've tried mm-hmm. since then. Like, if I were to try to do this podcast before mm. that like it would have been I'm like well I don't know how to do audio I don't know how to do graphic design I don't know how to do like I don't know yep. how to do nine, 90% of what I can do now Yeah. but I just gave myself the can I try to do it Yeah. and then that's it yeah. you know and then I've slowly gotten into a point where it's like not routinized but I'm getting better every day you yeah. know getting better with different things that have nothing to do with working out but by just giving myself an option to like learn something that I'd given myself mm. basically the the short end of the stick with, yeah. you know, saying you're not that kind of person. And mm. now I'm just like, damn, I wish I would have like had that same mindset yeah. back in high school. I could have tried to do X number eh. of things. Uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I like to think about, uh, your, your personal resources in terms of three things, time, money, and energy. Yeah. So if, if you have time, money, and energy to do something, uh, you can do it pretty fucking mm-hmm. well. Even if you have no idea what you're doing, if you have the time to put in it, if you like want to do it and you like do it right and do it, you know, yeah. full force and you have the money to like fund whatever it is, like yeah. you become great at something. And uh, even if you don't have one of those things, if you just have two, mm-hmm. like you can still do it. It'll yeah. be tougher, but you can absolutely still do it. If you mm-hmm. don't have the money, well, like, okay, you want to learn to play guitar, like buy a cheap guitar. Yeah. And like, you know, it's, it's not going to be the best. Your quality, sound quality is not going to be the greatest, but you can do it. You can still practice you know? all the same notes, yeah, right? So, you know, like you, if you want a podcast, you can buy yourself a cheap mic and like, yeah. you know, make I mean, it you can use your phone. So, yeah. Like, I'm not going to tell anyone. I think podcasting is one of those things anybody could do. Cause mm-hmm. we have these, you know, camera, f- the phones on our, in our pocket. Yep. Those have great microphones yeah. for what they do, yeah. you know, and you can do it and for, for what they are. Yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, just if you want to start it, I think that's the biggest thing is just trying yeah. and, and not, you know, the analysis by paralysis kind of thing, yeah. or like when you overanalyze something mm. and then that causes you to be like, well, why should I, you know, yeah. you, you don't give yourself the reason to try. Cause like, well, someone's always going to be better cause they've done it. Yeah. For ten someone's, years longer. Someone's than you. always going to be better than you. Yeah, like, that's, that's that's you know if you have to dedicate your something for the rest of your life, basically to become or at least like a decade or two to become right. the best in at the least world 10 years. at something. Yeah, because like you when you stop and think about it, like there's there's seven billion billion people in the world. <laughs> yeah. like somebody else is working on what you're working on. But if you want to be the best at something, you either have to put a hell of a lot of time and effort into it, or you got to do something new. So, yeah. yeah. But like, but then you also, you don't need to be the best, you know? Like, no. Yeah, it's just be good at something. You I know? Think the, or suck at something, but enjoy it, you know? So, hey, yeah. I, I mean, I've tried a lot of things and like, I, I like self taught myself how to play drums. I'm not good. Oh, okay, I can't cool. play songs, yeah. but I can do simple beats and things like that. Yeah. And it's fun. Like, it was just kind of things for me to do like coordination, right? Mm. Like, learning how to, you know, move different body parts in different mm. rhythms. It, it's very complex in that way right yeah. and it gives you an appreciation then for music right because yep. even if you're not you know like one of the best drummers in the world you can still like listen along and be like damn that's really cool like yeah. you have a different level of appreciation for what that sounds like right yeah. it's it's one of those things that i don't know like the more you try the more you realize that there's so much more to the enjoy in the world right because yeah. we kind of look at things like well i could never do that right mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that look at themselves yeah. as something right they box themselves in yeah and I think if we just gave ourselves the option to, to just be okay with being like, well, let, cause like 
it's kind of like looking at like when people find a passion, right? When you ask someone like, do, what do you want to do with your life? Right. They're like, I don't know what that is. Don't ask me that question. I, yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I absolutely agree with you because when you, when you have that thing, it's not the fact that you haven't found it, right? It's mm-hmm. not you're born with your passion, yeah. right? I think what you have to do is you just have to try a whole bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. And then whatever that one thing that winds up sticking on the wall, mm-hmm. that's what happens. Yeah, so I actually I very <laughs> much agree with that. Like the, uh, <laughs> the idea of finding your purpose in life. Um, I read a thought piece by somebody that said uh, that, that that's bullshit. There, there is no, like, you don't have a purpose that's yours. You work at something that mm-hmm. you maybe enjoy, maybe you, like, enjoy sort of, and maybe you, like, maybe you get to a point where you really love it, and then you find your passion for it through the effort you've put into it. Yes. Um, and maybe you try something and try it hard, and you're like, okay, this is cool, but this is not what I want to do with the rest yeah. of my life, you know? So you try something else. Uh, but only through effort do you develop your passion. Yes. You do not have a hidden passion for something that you need to find that that's your purpose in life. You need to work at something and then through the work you put into it, you end up finding your passion. Yeah, so. I, I completely agree. And yeah. I think a lot of times too is there's a lot of things that are like stepping stones mm-hmm. in, your, in our life, right? We're still young. Like we're still really young. We're mm-hmm. like 25, whatever, you know? Well, I'm 57. I <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we're still really young and we, like, I think we can take away from a lot of the stepping stones in our lives. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, the first jobs you have, like the military experiences, mm-hmm. those things. And I think a lot of those things you learn that don't feel like translatable skills wind up paying forward in whatever the thing you're going to be is your career, yes. right? And I don't think it has to be career in a sense like you're nine to five. Mm-hmm. I think it could be whatever you build it to be, right? Mm-hmm. It could be whatever, you know, like, cause you can take it, you know, you'd be a part of the SVAs now. So you can yep. take the skills that you learn from the military and applying it again here as yep. a leadership role or whatever. Like there's so much more than just whatever it said on paper, mm-hmm. what you're learning, right? There's, there's like a lot of soft things that you can't quantify that I, that I think is directly applicable. And that's just kind of how I operate. It's like, I'm always about synthesis and mm-hmm. taking things that don't seem directly applicable and trying to apply it in a new way. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you have any other like books or stories or whatever, like mm. um, if you read a lot or not. I try to, I, uh, I've been, I haven't been the, the best recently because whenever the semester hits, like right. my, I, my, I, my I reading habits ben. just tank. So yeah. <laughs> you don't whenever have, I have time, you have I, limited I, bandwidth to be able to absorb a new information. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm a voracious reader when I don't, when I'm not in school, you know, when yeah. I don't have something that like for my professional life, I need to be reading all yes. the time and like learning. But yeah, so sometimes I just want to turn off, but I am, I'm trying to read through, uh, the dictator's handbook. Okay. Right yeah. Now. You mentioned that last night. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about uh, how like no leader leads unilaterally, whether it be Stalin or whether it be, uh, you know, like, um, Bill Clinton, you know? Okay. And so like whether, whether it's a democracy to a, um, to a, uh, to a dictator, there's, you have certain people that you need to make happy. No leader right. can say any one thing and be like, Oh, this is what we're going to do. No, like there's, there are certain things that even Stalin couldn't do because he needs the support of key individuals, mm-hmm. uh, behind him. So very interesting book. Uh, I liked it a lot. I also, I read Freakonomics recently. So oh, was, cool. yeah, that was, that was we, a lot of fun. Some of us had to read that in high school. I haven't. Oh really? That's kind of yeah, cool. I like that. We had to read that in high school. I wish I would have signed that in my high school. Yeah. So yeah, it's way better. I, I didn't actually read that one, but I've listened to their podcast yeah. and stuff for certain things. They're, they're hit or miss sometimes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I'm not, I like I'm not a huge fan of, of a lot of produced podcasts. Interesting. I, I like open format. 
Like okay. Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss. I, lo- I like Joe Rogan a lot. He tends to repeat himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, but like if you if you do a three hour podcast yeah. every day, five days a week, like right. there's no there's no dodging that. <laughs> I mean, so, I I can sense yeah. it in myself. A lot of stuff I've said even today is stuff that it's kind of just been floating around in okay. my brain, and yeah. I kind of tell it to people because yeah. it's just how I operate now. So it's it's weird because mm. <laughs> I'm not talking to the same person every day, so they don't know who I yeah. am, right? <laughs> so it's a little weird to kind of have that thing. Yeah. And it's un- it's kind of unfortunate, but I'm not doing a podcast every day like he. Is, but yeah, yeah. It, to me, it, I'm trying to learn how to do to to ans- ask better questions though, mm-hmm. instead of not letting me o- do the show, letting mm-hmm. the show create itself. Yeah, right. And that's it's p- being a better question asker. Right? Yeah, is is where it comes from, you know. And then yeah, I, I guess the, as a kind of a closing question, then would be, what are you most excited about going what, forward? What right am now? I most excited about yeah. going forward right now? Like in this moment, like what are you like? What are you just okay. most excited about? Huh. <laughs> I would say finding out what uh, what my future holds, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm kind of at a crossroads now. Like, you know, I'm going through this big old engineering degree. Right. Uh, I don't decent chance I'm not going to be an engineer just because it's not. I don't feel like I haven't yet found that like passion piece of it. Yeah. Um, but like, it's still good skills to have, and I'm happy like I've done this so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll have a dual degree when you're done. You so I'll, I'll finish. I'm finishing a uh, bachelor's in mechanical engineering with a minor in electrical, and oh, I'm okay. applying to master's programs that I'll be gotcha. uh, doing a one year program next year in somewhere along the lines of controls engineering. Okay. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, but after that, when I graduate in 2020, I'll probably end up working for a political campaign. Oh Because wow. that's one of those things that like I uh, I've always wanted to do. Uh, mm-hmm. I've done some canvassing. Uh, mm-hmm. now this year and like I really enjoyed that you know so like kind of makes you feel like you made it yeah. made a little bit of a difference you know yeah. and, but at the same time like you know maybe you're doing good in the world um, can I can I interject one thing real quick yeah. I think it's really cool that someone as an engineer mm-hmm. is interested in politics yeah because there's a there, you know if you look at politics right these people are groomed to be people who are just fundraisers mm-hmm. right yep in a, in a lot of cases yes in a lot of cases yes. right? I'm not saying I'm generalizing of course yeah. to but like to have a person who's an, who has an engineering background, mm-hmm. I think that brings a very specific mindset to yeah. to politics that's missing. Yes, and I, and I agree. And I think yeah. that's really exciting to me just yeah. to kind of hear that because it's yeah. one of the things that me and I think me and Joe have definitely talked about this before, mm-hmm. where we've had you know kind of like getting more mindsets into the world of politics that you wouldn't get. Yeah. You know, having scientists involved mm-hmm. in politics, right? I'm I'm a big fan of scientists <laughs> being in charge of most things. So yeah. Well, yeah, just to have a big believer just bringing in science. a different. Yeah. mindset to people, yeah. right? Yeah, we've had lawyers in every fucking branch. Like, an yeah. unbelievable amount of lawyers. Yep. Yeah. Lawyers. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, well, it's, so, talk about science. Like, it's, I was able to say that my, uh, I think the greatest uh, invention in human history is the scientific method. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean. It's teaching us how to learn and yeah. how to I mean, properly that's a, that's distinguish a huge, truth from falsehood. So. That's such a huge thing for me. Is, yeah. is I try to instill that in a lot of the things I do is, is, is Everything I, know, I hope it comes off in the way I talk is just mm-hmm. learning how to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Meta learning, yep. And, and giving your, just being able to realize that, right? You know, we have this amazing gift as humans of neuroplasticity, right? And to just continue to learn things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know I'm guilty to be an optimist because <laughs> <laughs> the way I talk, but it's just one of those things. Is yeah. like if we try to just apply those things more often, yeah. it wouldn't be as doomsday or doom and gloom is yeah. make it seem like sometimes I, uh, I try to not be because uh, I have some friends who like for the longest time they called me an optimist and I really thought about it and I was like am I an optimist and I realized <laughs> that no 
I'm not. Really? And I'm not. I'm not because an optimist believes it's going to get better. Yeah. Like, like it's the the world. Like the the world is better than what we see it. It's going to get better. Everything will like end up. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it's going to get better. I believe it can get better, and I believe if we work uh, hard, we can get there. So I have hope and I believe. Um, but I'm I not an optimist. Like that distinction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very. It's, I think that's a good note to wrap up. Yeah, yeah I really like right. that. So, Sweet. Okay. I yeah. really appreciate this conversation, um, man. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me out too. Uh, any listeners out there? So um, this is uh, from Bill to you guys. If you are voting in Michigan, go out and vote on November sixth. Uh, uh, vote yes for props one, two, and three. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Send your message out. Yeah. Start exactly. early. So. <laughs> Sweet. That's all for now, everybody. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Feeding Curiosity. I hope you all learned something or at least got you thinking. If you want to dive in deeper, please head over to feedingcuriosity.net to find related links or just more podcasts and blogs that we posted there. On top of this, please consider subscribing to our newsletter to stay up to date on the latest happenings on the website. Thank you all for joining me one more time and we'll catch you all in the next episode.